You're listening to a 95BFM podcast. Travelling Tunes with Dr Kirsten Zimke. G'day mate, how are you Kirsten? Oh yeah, g'day. <laughs> oh dear, g'day. we're going to the pub this morning. What are we talking about today Kirsten? So Aussie pub rock. And, um It's actually really important. It's a really big genre. Like the more I looked into it, um, it's iconic. And so in the 70s and 80s in Australia, now there's parallels a little bit in UK, which has a slightly different story, but um, it literally was related to sort of licensing laws and liquor laws and and what sorts of venues that bands were allowed to play in and that previously some venues were like were all ages venues there was even pubs where women weren't allowed anyway um so it's got this sort of yeah i know social legal political sort of element and then it was bands that kind of were you know sort of anti sort of glam rock anti-prog rock anti the sort of the pop and they sort of were more like rock and roll (laughs) true blue aussies yeah and you know bands with you know just you know two guitars and a drum you know what i mean sort of back to that structure and um it's become especially in australia like kind of the music you know that that really represents australia and i and reading about some of these songs and some of the history, you know, it really is, it's like, it's, you know, weddings or, you know, it's the end of the night at the pub when people are mm. all arm in arm, like, um, This is the, the music to soundtrack that, that Yeah, it's very social, life. it's very social. I'm going to hit this first song, which I'm sure everyone will be familiar with. I love this album, but of Hunters and Collectors. to a sing-along. It really does. I'm trying hard not to do a mic sing-along this morning. Uh, this, is a, this is a very iconic album. And I think Hunters and Collectors is interesting because, well, actually all of this Aussie pub rock is interesting because it has an intersection between the big mainstream and alternative music culture as well in terms of how people, you know, feel about it. There's a lot of fondness on both sides of the fence, mm. I think. Yeah, and you know, like, and to me, this song is interesting because it is kind of maudlin, you know, and it's a love song. Yeah, I, you know, because I was picturing, you know, with uh, with Ozzy Pop Rock, I was picturing Eagle Rock and Boys Light Up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the songs I I used to hear in West Auckland when I lived out there on a Saturday night. Um, but you know, this is actually, you know. I mean, pop culture a- is such a big thing in Australia in the way that is quite different to New Zealand. Mm. There's so many pubs and bands have residencies with pubs and there's uh, much more of a going out to drink and see music culture than perhaps New Zealand. Again, like you were saying, because of the way liquor laws work. Yeah, and apparently 
even though Australia let's say has a relatively small population, you know, like compared to USA and, and UK and stuff, but they have a lot of pubs apparently <laughs> per capita, and so these bands could maintain themselves by doing pub circuits. Totally. Like, yeah, like there was enough, and like you said, that must be grounded on the fact that people enjoy going out for their drink. You know, it's also interesting because this is still relatively the case for a lot of sort of small and mid-level bands in Australia, you can do a tour of Brisbane or you could do a tour of Melbourne and play five different pubs in Melbourne and have five different, totally different audiences come Mm. and see you each night. Right, right, and that's weird, right? Considering, (laughs) like, you know, you'd you'd, you'd think doing once each city. But, yeah, and it's suburban. Suburban. And, you know, it's also weird to think that this is how ACDC got their start and Midnight Oil, you know, like that we now think of as more like stadium Hard. you know, bands. There's already controversy on the text machine. Some people are saying, you know, that the ACDC thing is much more what they associate with Aussie pub rock and that Hunters and Collectors were more in the post-punk phase. Mm. Well, I'm saying I only get my information, you know, from <laughs> authorities, so this is not my opinion. Also, sports culture is quite different in Australia in the way that people have um, AFL teams. Mm. And people... But when I went to Melbourne earlier this year, I was shocked to my very core about how much people care about sport there. <laughs> people who in New Zealand would probably not care about sport in really? the same way. Yeah, everyone's, you know, at the pub. We tried to go out and get a drink and we couldn't get into a pub because the AFL team from that suburb was playing that night and the, all the pubs were full. Go those guys. Go those guys. Well, yeah, because I would think, how can you, you know, how can you be more sport-minded than New Zealand? But I guess you're right, that suburban, that really local vibe. And it means that all the bands play at a different time on nights that there are sports games as well. Right. Pushed out. They get pushed to the, you know, which everyone's just fine with. That's just what happens. This is another band that kind of has a relationship to the new wave, but definitely sits in the pubs in excess. What's the story of in excess? Well, that's right. Like I, I sonically, I guess, you know, at the time would have put them in new wave, but they, it's because of the culture they came from and where they played and in that culture embraces them. And then, you know, you can play, you know, where the songs are played and that sort of things and what sorts of hot lists they're in and that sort of thing. Gosh, in excess. So they were together for 20 years, which is a really long time for sort of a youthful band. Hmm. Um, before their lead singer died. And that's, if you're not familiar with his story, my goodness. I think there has been a televisor film version, but I don't know if it captured it enough. You know how tragic his and Paula Yates story was. And they're from Sydney. Sydney? Sorry, Aussies. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time we've done it. Well, actually, I tell a lie. So Michael Hutchins passed in 1997, so that's 20 years long. And then they have toured with various lead singers. You know right. how Queen does now with yeah, Adam yeah, Lambert. Yeah. They've had a variety of um, singers. But I guess, you know, they're still not prog. They're not... You know, there's still 
because major labels weren't signing them, that's why they were indie. Yeah. You know, whether the sound is like that or not. That's something that's quite interesting as well, is, yeah, pe- people having these sustainable careers on either indie labels or DIY labels mm. because there's already a touring circuit that exists for them to be able to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. And, I, you know, just thinking musicologically, someone was trying to analyse it, uh, I read a paper about musicologically how you can cut through performing in noisy crowds, you know, like, so the different performing spaces for your music as to what range, you know, different instruments have to be in and that sort of thing, what frequency can cut through the certain kinds of noise that we're getting really into it. Totally. Yeah, lots of people saying, you know, this is giving them sort of end of the wedding, <laughs> end of the wedding right. vibes, like reminding right, let's, them. Let's, let's, yeah, that's very yeah, good. The yeah. sort of like late night part of the the wedding DJ's playlist. The closing time is next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jimmy Barnes. Uh, Rowan also says Hunters and Collectors were incredibly alternative when they started. And that song that we listened to is kind of an anomaly. They were critiquing bloke culture and they were sort of... Um, yeah, sitting maybe in opposition to some of those like classic pub rock identities a bit. This is what I find interesting about the Aussie pub thing though, is a pub is quite a different space to a traditional music venue or a dive bar where you'd go and listen to music because those places usually tend to have a specific subculture attached to them. Pubs are pubs, like they're on the street corner, people going there to watch the football or watch the rugby or something. And then a band is coming in later. Yeah, and you're right. It's, it's secondary. You've got two, you know. well, it's not necessarily secondary, but you've got two different audiences approaching that space. So there is a little bit of random overlap that doesn't happen in the same way in New Zealand, perhaps, at the moment, at least. TBC. Back when we had pubs in a, you know, pub circuit type way, that's how we had bands like um, DD Smash and stuff. We've had so many cultures yeah, or texts. Much requests. Yeah, so this bizarrely is about um, Vietnam veterans. We've had quite a lot of. Uh, texts about the sort of New Zealand equivalent, which was a bit different, but, you know, you could put people like Jordan Luck in that category. You could also think about, um, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, West Auckland. A lot of music that came out of West Auckland in the 80s is sort of sonically equivalent, perhaps. Well, yeah, I mean, New Zealand's interesting because we had our Dunedin sound, which sonically is different than this, but probably still did pubs. You know? Absolutely. But his voice you can just hear cutting across. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, a noisy pub. And it's very blues his voice. Yeah. And the legal path This is nineteen seventy eight and the band's culture started in seventy three. And so if you think about the other musics that are going on at the same time, how different this would have sounded. Need for speed and 
the harmonica. It's definitely going blue. Oh, yeah. The and the, the guitar strum in this as well is real. <laughs> now, apparently, so at this time, they were absolutely wild men on stage themselves, drunk, bottle of vodka in their hand. They later became, you know, sort of more married, sober oh. fellas. That's nice. But in, the, but in their early years, they were they were living the life. Well, they're so maudlin. Like, but you can imagine, you know, are maudlin, aren't they? Because you know, it's end of the night. Everyone's crying crying in the pub. Too many. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not just... dancing in the pub. It's crying. <laughs> this is very, you know, very sentimental, very moving. <laughs> We've had a dear God in heaven <laughs> come in about cold chisel. Just people saying, oh, I love the pub. <laughs> yeah, so many, so many things about that. Love a pub, simple, honest, public, mixed. Yeah. <laughs> it's the working person's space. Also heard an Aussie uh, text in saying, as an Aussie, they can safely say, if you want to see some Aussie pub rock or punk, you can go and see Cosmic Psychos on Sunday. Noted. Oh, so okay, playing in awesome. Auckland. So there you go. If you need a bit of this in your life this weekend. So obviously taking a lot of cues as well from American music of the era Cold Chisel, you know, I think aren't they like famously big Led Zeppelin fans or something? And Deep Purple or that kind of like Oh yeah. You can hear it but it's, yeah. you can hear it but it's not as big, is it? It's it has that more intimate, you know, humility. That he he's singing to someone ten fifty feet away, you know. We have had two texts requesting that Plato's retreat do a special Australian special. Sam Harmony, Anika, Chris, Rob. I can see why they've picked that crew as being oh. the people who would get into this uh, very much so. Thank you very much, Kirsten, for taking us to the pub this morning. Enjoyed that a lot. Uh, have a lovely rest okay. of your Friday. We'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. That was Travelling Tunes with Dr. Kirsten Zimpke. That was a 95BFM podcast. Support 95BFM with a B-card. Go to 95BFM.com slash sign up.